BS Free Witchcraft is a production of the Nerd and Tie Podcast Network. Nerd and Tie produces podcasts ranging from actual play to true crime, and you can find more at nerdandtie.com or join our Discord by going to nerdandtie.com slash Discord. She's right. The number one rule of the craft. If a person is a danger to herself or others, they will be bound. I was starting to get a little worried. Sorry, I was just hanging out with my friends. We've gone too far. Was this just like some game to you? I feel different. Be careful. A lot of weirdos out here. We are the weirdos, mister. Welcome to BS Free Witchcraft, your monthly guide to the uh, modern witchcraft movement. Minus a lot of the usual, well, bullshit. I'm your host, Trey Dorn. It is November, and we are going to be talking about a movie this episode. As many of you recall, a few months ago on the show, we talk, uh, I talked with Brina Garen about The Craft, the 1996 teenage modern urban fantasy horror movie. I th- that Genres are difficult to pin down in my mind, but I have thoughts. Anyways, that was one of the most important films in the modern witchcraft movement, and I'm, I don't think I'm overstating it. Everybody, like, at least it made major waves. Everyone was talking about it. Like, everyone. If you were a witch in the 90s, you talked about the craft. It was... Not everybody liked it, but you talked about it. Um, And it definitely influenced an entire generation of witches to the point where I'm still seeing screenshots from that film as aesthetic posts on Tumblr. So, this year, in uh, (laughs) October, a sequel came out. The Craft Legacy. Sequel slash remake. It's complicated. And joining me this episode to talk about that sequel is, again, uh, Hex Positive's Brina Garen. And uh, so, if this... We're going to talk for a couple of minutes without any spoilers. And then we're going to jump into spoiler territory. And if you haven't seen the movie yet, um, be aware that when we jump into spoilers, we're, we're just going to spoil the crap out of this whole movie. All right. It's so if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, uh when we get to that point and we'll tell you when we're going to start talking spoilers, uh stop listening to the show, I guess. Uh the show the movie is uh, available on demand. Um I bought it. Uh, uh whoa, no, don't play the trailer. Uh, <laughs> I have my TV on still. I just rewatched the movie literally right before uh, talking to Bree this morning, um, I, I I I bought it because I'm crazy. Um, but I think it's like t- fifteen or twenty bucks to rent the movie right now. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's I I, I also bought it. So yeah, well, so I did it on Vudu and um, Vudu. It was like I think it was like twenty bucks to rent it, twenty five to own it, or thirty to buy it and the 1996 The Craft as a bundle. 
Oh, jeez. Because I did this on Halloween weekend. Because this is my 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 wife and I watched both of the. Well, it's my wife hadn't seen the craft the first one in years. So because because mm-hmm. I re- I I have I actually only I only watched it for the first time earlier this year, but she had seen it years before, which is ironic that I'm the one who's the witch. Um, <laughs> I'm the witch from the nine. Like I've been a witch since the nineties, and I hadn't seen it until this year. Uh, but um, so but. Now I've I've seen the first craft three times because we we watched my wife and I watched the the first craft right before watching the craft legacy, or as the title is Bloomhouse's the craft legacy. Um, God damn it! Uh, it's good. Anyways, uh, it's so so yeah. I've I've watched it twice now. Uh, Bree just watched it once the night before mm-hmm. we're recording this. Obviously, this episode is coming out in late November for most people a week early. If you ha- were a Patreon subscriber of mine, patreon.com slash T-R-A-G-O-R-N. Um, Patreon subscribers got this at least a week early. But uh, we were recording this. Um, we're recording this like November 7th. So just... Remember back to the beginning of November and everybody's mental state and just just keep that in mind. Uh, <laughs> I will say I'm a lot more optimistic today than like, I was earlier we're, we're, this week. Everything we say is going to be dated by the time this episode comes out, so let's not talk in any direction regarding the, the, the yes. events of this week because, yeah. All right, so mm-hmm. The Craft. Also, you the know, craft. The Craft Legacy. Um mm-hmm. So this movie was um, marketed. So you and I actually briefly talked about this film um, uh, before before it came out um, during the uh, while we were recording for the October episode where you were also a guest. And um, I think I shared some thoughts there. And I think I'm going to I'll let's drop in that conversation now. It looks like a direct sequel. Well, it's it it looks to me like they're doing the that thing you do where you do effectively a remake, but you say that the original's in continuity, mm-hmm. which is not uncommon. And it's it like it means that like yes, this is an independent film that you can watch on its own, but it's it it's while it's a remake, it is saying that thing you already watched in this continuity. Like that's why all the characters have new names, and while they're not, it, it's not an exact one for one on what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. It it looks like they're telling the same basic story just with like different uh different events, different plot yeah. points. Yeah. It's... I'm very much here for it. I'm I'm very interested to see um with the changes to the casting and the changes to the storyline and maybe some yeah. updates that they've made how much they're going to mirror the old one versus bringing in new information. Oh, I'm so stoked. I mean, it's when, I don't know, when they had like what appears to be the point of view characters say the Nancy line, I was like, okay. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um, but I'm also wondering... I felt like the editing around that was more sloppy. I'm like, you watch that, like yeah. you watch the trailer for the original craft and it's like, it's just tight on like the reaction, like to the, the guy saying something the, like the, the, we are the weirdos. Like it's just, like. It felt mm-hmm. more natural in the original, so I'm hoping that the editing is tighter on the um in in context than it yeah. was in the trailer. Because I'm just like, that felt like we were pausing for a second, so all of the all of the fans of the first craft movie could all start paying attention to hear the line. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really worry about that. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's going to be bad. That the trailers yeah. aren't edited by the people who edit the film. Correct. So, um, you know, I know I'm going to be disappointed with the soundtrack. Oh, I know. Because nothing could ever, like, beat the first movie for soundtrack. Right. Ugh. Like, that's the thing. Like, it's, I'm I'm excited for this film, but I'm worried about this film. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's got a lot to live up to. Yeah, it does. And, like, well, here's the thing. It's so, before, because, and maybe I'll use this, because technically I'm still recording. Um, because we haven't seen, neither one of us has seen the movie yet. So that's actually a really good, uh, like it's no matter what this film is not going to be as culturally important as the first one, because the first one's cultural importance came from when it hit and like the exact subject matter, the exact kind of film on that subject matter at the exact time, right time. You know what I mean? Like it's the 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 original craft like at that point in the mid 90s with that point in the we had just hit enough witchcraft where books were available in every major bookstore on it like mm-hmm. the like witchcraft had gotten bi- the modern witchcraft movement had gotten big enough where that information was available generally so people who went out and saw the movie could then access the stuff to look it up like and so that's like that pop culture moment combined with the, the growing of that exact moment of thing. Like it's now like we live in a world where, um, where which the modern witchcraft movement is big enough where, um, it's already just kind of part of the atmosphere for a lot of people. Like the fact that like communities like witch blur exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, and, and the number of discords that, are out there and like the number of conversations and the number of books, um, like, and uh, the amount of stuff and just kind of the, the general like permeation and the fact that the craft as a film has been out for, you know, about 25 years mm-hmm. is like all of these things. Um, like it's, it's kind of a situation where it, it, it won't be the same. So like, even if this could be a better movie, like obviously we haven't seen it yet. This could be a better movie, but it even if it is, it's not going to be as culturally important of a film. It's not going to hit the same. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. it's it's this film. Is, so that's that's why I was like I was always we talked about this on the Nerd and Tie podcast, like when they first announced the sequel, and I don't even remember how long ago when they announced that this movie was going to go into development was, but I know that. First Stirs was still on the network. It's still on the show. So he left in 2016. <laughs> yeah, it was stuck in development hell for yeah. uh, for a good while. Yeah, so it's uh, like I know I'm gonna I'm gonna search the Nerd and Tie website. I'm gonna search for the first mention because I know. <laughs> so it it was at least uh, no, that's the BS Free Witchcraft episode. I don't need that. <laughs> Uh, so May 2015 is Sounds when about right. we first reported. Uh, yeah, it's May 2015. <clears throat> um, I believe my headline was Sony is remaking the craft because the gods have given up on mankind. Um, <laughs> so between 2014 and like 2017, I think we, we maintained a pop culture blog on, um, Nerd and Tie. We, we, Cause right now we still have a news section for like convention news on that website. 
as kind of the artifact because you know nerd and tie uh the main nerd and tie podcast started out as a pop culture and convention news show like then that podcast is still on the nerd and tie network um but um we and then we we had a pop culture and convention news blog and now we just dropped down to convention news because nobody was reading the pop culture blog and it was like Imagine if the most work you had to do for a website was the thing was the only thing that nobody cared about on a website. Oh, jeez. So that's why we just were like, okay, no one wants, everyone wants this stuff we're making. No one wants this stuff we're making. And the stuff that nobody wants is the thing that's taking up all of our time. So we just stopped doing it. We closed it and pivoted. It's like... The the, the craft is like... It's that, 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 that craft remake to get away from that tangent uh like yeah it's been five years in the making for that movie and when it was first announced i was like who needs this like i mean to be fair i hadn't actually seen the craft at that point i just had strong opinions on it uh-huh. but, as i recall <laughs> but also like and i i still thought like with the who needs this um because part of the reason why the craft is considered a classic is not as much to do with necessarily the content of the film, but the importance of the film. And like it, and having seen it, like knowing that this this remake sequel, um, like that this 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 sequel um, was slash remake was coming. Like part of the thought was like even having seen the movie, I'm like, do we? Do we need this? Because the first movie stands as a complete story on its own. Not everything needs to be remade or rebooted. Like, it's... Sometimes something is just fine leaving it. Yeah, but it's Hollywood. I mean, it's adapt or die. You have to have something that's, like, in an existing franchise in order for people to even, like, look at it. So it's like, I get that they're capitalizing on... The current I I feel like permeation the... of witchcraft in the community, I but mean, it's it's still like this is Blumhouse making it? it. They're they're very good at making profitable horror films that don't have to be in a franchise. Like horror is, I true. think, the one place you can go where you don't. I mean, there are plenty of franchises in the horror world. Don't get me wrong, but it's mm-hmm. the the one place you can still go where you can have a very successful, profitable movie because the the margins are are different there than in like the blockbuster world. Yeah, very true. I'm still excited for it. I am I'm, too. I'm I'm super stoked for it. Like I've seen uh I've seen the trailer like four or five times at this point and it just it seems like a good sort of a, a real nice modern hopefully with modern takes <laughs> uh witchy movie with a nice autumnal sort of feel to it. I like the look of the the core four that we're going to be following throughout the movie. I like that they had that little Polaroid of Nancy. I'm intrigued to see how that fits in. And it's like, this all looks really good. This all looks good. It's a solid concept. I want to see what they do with it. I'm going to go with the Polaroid of Nancy is more of an Easter egg that um, has very little to do with the central plot. Possibly. It's very possible. That's that my thought is it's like the, the, the Polaroid of Nancy is to acknowledge that we're in the same um world as the original craft mm-hmm. and that it will very it will bear like some ob like she's gonna like pick up the the book that Nancy had in Yeah, the that's first movie, that's what I'm thinking. And the Polaroid's just in it because um 
they're just going to assume people keep Polaroids of themselves in their books. Um, yeah. It's, it's gonna... but it's it's also like it's yeah. a nice callback to like right. Sarah's picture of her mother from the first one. So that's got me thinking: is there more of a connection? But I guess we'll oh, see. Oh yeah, I mean, are we going to imply that this is actually Nancy's daughter? I don't think it would be that obvious. I don't know. Um, I mean, it could be. It seems I mean, like you, it would be you, a you bit heavy-handed. But... It calls back to Sarah's picture of her mother. Is it going to yeah. turn out the main character's adopted and uh, is Nancy's daughter? That's that was my initial reaction to seeing the Polaroid. Actually, was is that this would, Nancy's kid who was but, you know adopted by another family? But also, and here's here's my wild fan theory now that going into this that uh, that would explain why that's the character who mirrors Nancy's line. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! So now, if I use this at all, we're going to cut to having seen the film. Yes. So, uh, in 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 a few seconds, we'll find out how right or wrong my random <laughs> theory was. That was before we saw the movie. Um, and now, and now, like so, this movie uh, marketed like so, marketed itself as a, a a remake and sequel. Yes. First off, that trailer was full of lies. But oh we'll, but God, we'll, we'll yes. wait to the we'll wait to the spoiler section to fully dig into that. Um, oh. It's it's not in well it's not inaccurately advertising the film you get so like let's not I don't want to be too critical but um, yeah it's just it's it's very obvious that they made the trailer yeah. before extensive edits and probably some rewrites were done or reshoots and because there yeah. there mm-hmm. are there are specific notable well there's certain things in the trailer that i was 100 percent were like when i saw the trailer it was like that's not going to be in the movie that's 100 percent for the trailer um <laughs> and that's the uh, polaroid of nancy um yeah that was too easy yeah uh but like uh if if you're wondering hey you know that delivery of the we are the weirdos you know we are the weirdos mister like the delivery mm-hmm. of that line um you're saying wow that seemed really out of place and wooden in delivery. Don't worry. Uh, that is not in the movie. Um, that line yeah. is said in the movie in a completely different context. Which I liked much better. By a different character. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just general thoughts on this thing. Um, first off, I think it succeeds as a sequel but fails as a remake. I agree. Um. So if you haven't watched this film yet, I highly recommend, and you haven't seen the original The Craft, I highly recommend seeing the 1996 movie first. Because there's a lot of stuff that's not explained in this movie that is explained in the first movie. And so if you've seen the first movie, you go, oh, okay, they're doing that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, and it makes sense as a story. But if you are watching this movie on its own and don't have that context, I think it's thin. Um, my, I enjoyed the movie. I want to, I want to be clear, like in this episode, we're going to be really nitpicky and I have extensive notes and Bree has many thoughts as well. Um, I have opinions. Oh boy. (laughs) But, but I want to be clear overall, we both enjoyed this movie. If uh, if Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. yeah. But I mean like the overall feeling, and I think we both agreed on this, like, when we were watching the trailer, it's like, this is not going to be a movie that is for us as, you know, people who were teenagers 
or so when the first movie came out. It's like this is very clearly marketed for people who are teenagers now. And I think in that context, it's a good movie. Like eighth grade me would have been absolutely bonkers for this. I would have oh, freaking loved it. I would have watched it a million times. First off, my, my biggest thing is this movie's incredibly well cast. Oh my God, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I love the casting. I, I like, There was no one in the cast that seemed out of place or awkward. The acting was amazing. Yeah, it's um, like it's... Uh, I, the cast is the cast is super and frankly like I just want to say they did an amazing job casting people who actually looked like teenagers. Because that's one of the biggest faults I think of the 1996 The Craft which is a bit which is just a problem with Hollywood in general in the 90s and 2000s mm -hmm. is that um when I was cuz I was a teenager I was the age of the characters in the Foo movie when it came out roughly. You know, those people did not look like the people I was going to high school with, but no movie teenagers looked like the people I was going to high school with. <laughs> so I mean like Robin Tunney was in her late 20s maybe like I think she was like 28 in that movie yeah mm -hmm. um like it's not like the they got the fashion right they got like a lot right but these are clearly adult human beings um yeah now it's it is it is a little weird in a couple of I always feel uncomfortable as you know especially someone who's now 40 watching scenes of teenagers making out um it is good to know that the lead is like 23, so she was probably about 21 or 22 when they shot this. Mm -hmm. So there, so it's not like it's there is there's a lot more masturbation in this movie. Um, <laughs> just 100 percent more masturbation. Well, it's just like I mean, it's good to acknowledge that it happens. But at the same time, it's like, did that need to be a plot point? <laughs> well, and we'll get into one of those. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 other one at least like fit into the story. Uh, the, mm -hmm. the the one of those we'll get into. Um, overall, like, there's if you're a savvy movie viewer and you're used to looking for every like little like clue on screen for what's happening with the plot this movie will get you excited for plot threads that never happen. Yeah. That's, that's about where I landed. Cause I was like, Ooh, like taking notes in my head. Okay. So this might happen or this might happen. And then at the end, it was just kind of like, uh, okay. Like, Oh, I'm looking far too much. I'm probably looking more into the set design than the set designer did. Yeah. So there's like, um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like it's, it's really, frustrating in many ways but we'll get into that in the the, the spoiler portion where we're going to dissect this whole movie um mm -hmm. there is uh I, I don't think it's a spoiler but there is a weird ass window transition with opera mm. that is weird yeah that made like no sense i'm like okay so is there like, like music playing inside the house or wait no okay no the music is playing inside the house just I think. very quietly yeah it's there's a there's this so this is just a weird editing choice that makes no sense in the editing of film that there is so this is not a spoiler this is early in the movie there is a shot of a window and they go from day to night but like there's just this weird like sudden jump cut with opera blasting and like dramatic opera yeah like it makes like and it's just sort of what and oh, it's, wait, are, are we in peril now? What, like, what happened? Like, it's so jarring. 
And it's just like, uh, what movie is this shot from? Mm-hmm. Like, because it doesn't feel like this movie. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't feel like the rest of the movie. It's not like the movie's full with weird, like, stylistic cuts like that. It's just yeah. that one in the first, yeah. like, 20 minutes of the film. In the first 10 minutes of the film. Like, yeah. I feel like maybe the director was making an artistic joke that nobody got. Yeah. Like it's, That's how it felt. It's definitely not a reference to the craft. No, it's it doesn't seem to be a reference to anything, really. I mean, it's like, this is an artistic choice that we made, and it was like, okay, but it didn't land. Yeah. Yeah, no, but... it's it's weird. It's weird. So, um, like, there's there's lots. Of, so, like, there there are a lot of, like, things that are left on the table. Like, I, so this oh movie God, yeah. is, this movie is seven minutes shorter than the first movie. Um, it's done at, like, so the movie's like an hour 35, mm-hmm. something like that. It's, I will tell you that the credits start rolling at an hour 25. So this is, this is not a long movie. Um, yeah. I feel like it should have been 15 minutes longer mm-hmm. to establish certain things early on. So there's, there's a lot of stuff that just feels unfulfilled. Um, but, so I think that so to to kind of end our little five minutes of no spoilers here, um, I feel like the like the end result is this is a uh, it's it's a, it's a fun film, but it is not as tight or as well structured a film as the first one by far. Agreed. Yeah. And um, and I will say though, I think the saving grace of this movie is overall the performances by the actors, mm-hmm. um, because and this is and I I want to call this out so just because uh, Gideon Adlin as Frankie is just <laughs> she is acting the hell out of that role, like yeah. <laughs> she is giving a hundred and ten percent, and. I am I am there for it because she took what was in that script and just gave the best performance. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. All right. So let's so so we're gonna go into spoilers now because we've been having to cloak dialogue and um, not yeah. not spoil things. <laughs> so you've heard our pre movie thoughts. You've heard our um, you've heard kind of our post movie with uh, avoiding spoilers. If you have not seen the movie and don't want to be spoiled, stop this podcast now. This is your mark. All right? And then come back and listen when you have watched it and grieve with us. Yes. <laughs> All right. So so the first thing I want to say is that um, I love the opening of this movie so much. Oh, my God. Yes. The opening shots. It, it, felt, like, it felt like a real good update of that little ritual bit from it's, the first movie. It's literally the, like, I mean, mm-hmm. it is... It's it is the opening of the craft, but better. Like because mm-hmm. like you see the opening, like the first movie that they're doing the ritual, and it's like it's okay. What's the context for this? Who are these characters? Okay, they're just sort of doing it. So it gave me such hope going into this movie that we have mm-hmm. these three characters who are acting like actual teenagers, um, yes. or at least as much as I can tell from my childless forty-year-old, who the only teenagers I've interacted with are like my cousins and 
niece and nephew and mm-hmm. don't really they live states away so it's like we're talking <laughs> holidays um like well, speaking as someone who was a teenage girl once i can tell you it's pretty accurate well, i can't speak for like the context of today but it's like right yeah, I no it's being so like, like that. i can't i can't speak for the context of the day but it felt like the teenagers that i knew when i was a teenager yes so it's yes, yes. The sl- i don't know if the slang is accurate or remotely accurate but the uh the attitude and it was a much like also you could tell that these are much more emotionally healthy people from that first opening oh my god (laughs) yeah (laughs) the one thing is this is a much more emotionally healthy set of four people than the the four girls in the first movie um Mm -hmm. yeah uh and, and then we literally like they cut to the sky and i'm like so the reason why you cut to the sky in the first craft is because sarah's on a plane the mm-hmm. reason they cut to the sky in this movie is because this is how the craft opened. So yep. we're going to replicate that shot because they are traveling by car. <laughs> it's Lily yeah. and her mom are traveling by car. Mm-hmm. With Alanis Morissette playing. I love that. Yeah. I'll say musically, this is a very different film. Um, yeah, but it having that that little pop of like, you know, that song came out around the same time as the first movie. So for me, it, it put me right back kind of in that mindset like, oh, yeah, I remember the movie came out and this song was really popular. So it yeah, the mindset was there. It's the 90s. Do you remember Alanis Morissette? Um, <laughs> it's like it, it also like uh, frankly like part of like the the movie nerd in me that says like oh but a callback song would have been better and there's all of these like famous songs off of like the the craft had a really good soundtrack and they could have like pulled a move song off of that but I'm also like does that make sense as a song that like a mom would sing with her daughter like while driving? No. I'm like, I mean, some moms would, but it also like doesn't feel like a like happy sing-along song, which is what they're trying to play with the contrast on that. So it's like, yeah, yeah, okay, like it's I it it is it it my my larger thought was like ah they saved the money because they did not use a lot of pop songs on this soundtrack. Um, like, because they, they use some, but, like, but a lot of the music was just, like, score. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the, the, the original craft had score in key scenes, but also, like, was like, yeah, we'll just shove this Love Spit Love song over this scene of Chris <laughs> practicing football. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been watching a lot of Teen Wolf, so I almost said lacrosse instinctively. Um, <laughs> which is not the sport they were playing. Um But, uh, so, like, it's, like, so we meet, so, so we meet David Duchovny's character, Adam, as the mom's moving in with her, what I assume is, a, like, they, they do, like, I do think, to their credit, they let the audience figure things out, they don't spell out for you that, like, the mom's been in a relationship with this guy for a while, but it's been long distance, and mm-hmm. he's been at their house, yeah. and in all likelihood, she's been here, but Lily hasn't. Yes. Like it's so it's I feel like the, the that was actually like that was a good the 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 writer did a good job with that setup mm-hmm. where like it's we're establishing that she has a pre-existing like the the the, the relationship's pre-existing that she has that the, the that Lily 
you know, the daughter, Lily, the main character, Lily, knows David Duchovny's character, and it isn't like walking into a stranger's house, but it like it so it plays up the awkward thing. Um, and then but why... they don't let it they don't let it get too awkward, which I liked. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, this isn't just like they're gonna let it be weird and stilted for the sake for the sake of like establishing that it needs to be awkward it's like you know he makes an effort and like shows an interest in her camera because she she takes a lot of polaroid pictures that's like her thing yeah and i liked it i'm like okay this this feels very normal and natural that you're you're meeting someone on their turf like he says for the first time and yeah you know, even though they know each other, this is now a different dynamic, but he's still like making an effort to be welcoming. And as someone who is a big fan of the X-Files, I was like, hey, so. Yeah. And the minute you see it's David Duchovny, you're like, oh, shit, something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's the biggest name actor in this movie. Uh, yeah. Um, Actually, so it's, now that you mentioned it, yeah, you're no, right. Like. He's like, I mean, he he's he's the biggest established name on like, I mean, some of the actors have like done work, but obviously like just the younger actors, even the ones who have done other stuff, just haven't been around as long. So David Duchovny's got like, you know, one of the longest running science fiction programs ever made. Start on that, you know, a mm-hmm. couple of movies, other successful shows like Californication, you know, just David Duchovny. Like, yeah. So you know that, like, in a, in what is, like, a low-budget horror film that the biggest actor you're paying to be there is going to, like, it's... Something's going to go on with this guy. He's not a something's throwaway. Something's happening. But I feel yeah. like it had been ways they relied on the audience being savvy to that more than they should have. Possibly. Like, I was suspicious of his character more so because he was David Duchovny. <laughs> at at the what at the start of the film than anything the film was telling me. Yeah, I kind Until of Until we get like 15 in, minutes like, in. Then when we get 15 minutes in then there's something that happens but Yeah, I was like I was kind of looking at it like, you know, oh okay, maybe having him there is yet another callback to the 90s cuz again, same period in time, similar pop culture things happening. Oh, we have a song from the 90s we now have an actor who was very popular at the same time so i was just kind of viewing it as that and going oh okay this is you know they they got someone to to be this person in the movie as as a callback to then and then you know when they got into more of the family dynamic i was like okay now i see then the suspicion begins to grow yeah it's first off like so speaking of his family why does why did we need three sons like it's like yeah isaiah is not a character no like isaiah is literally not a a character he (laughs) i honestly like i think i heard him say three lines in the whole movie Mm -hmm. mm-hmm half the time i forgot he was there my wife got confused because she forgot that that was supposed to be like one of the sons and she kept getting like Isaiah and Timmy mixed up. Yeah, I did too. So which they is, have like a similar haircut. Yeah. And the same height. Generic white guys. Um, yes. Like generic and, white teen number two. So, so the brothers, like one of them isn't a character. He's mm-hmm. a jump scare at one point, but he isn't a character. And that jump scare made no sense. No, it didn't. I think they just stuck the jump scare in there so that Blumhouse could say that, yes, we made an attempt to be scary. Right. No, it's that whole sleepwalking scene 
does nothing. Made no sense. It does nothing for the story. It's mm -hmm. it was well shot. Like it's well shot for a we want a creepy scene. Like the way the camera pans over him in the corner, but the character hasn't noticed, but the audience can clearly see him standing by the door. And I really did like that. Like that I was, was waiting so for well that shot. to be something more. I was waiting for that to be like the ghost. I I admit I spoiled the film for myself before I watched mm -hmm. it because uh, I spoil movies for myself before I watch them a lot of the times. Uh, I do that too. <laughs> Especially when I know I'm going to pick it apart. Uh, mm -hmm. But, like, I thought, like, but so, like, that, like, the, the brief synopsis, like, was just basic plot points. So I didn't know. I was like, oh, is that going to be, like, the ghost of Timmy? Like, mm -hmm. it's foreshadowing his death before it happens? No. That's that's kind of what I thought. It was like, that's going to be the ghost of somebody. Or it's going to be, Tim. like, she cast a love spell, sort of, yeah. maybe. Or so he's, like, standing there in the corner watching her sleep. I, I think yeah. I literally said out loud, oh, God, please don't let him be standing there watching her sleep. Right. It's, but no, it's, it's just, but no. It's, this movie does that a lot. Like, um, there's a, like, this movie does that a lot. And so, like, the <laughs> middle son, whose name, I've already forgotten his name. I've watched that movie, like, less than an hour ago. I've. <laughs> forgotten the other two brothers names because i don't remember isaiah's name because timmy slept with isaiah yeah. you know like i don't I remember the, the middle was was jacob was it i it don't remember starts with the... the j i know it starts with the j mm -hmm. so uh the middle son who is like there is an excuse for timmy to stick around the the youngest son what's up with that like it's it feels like he feels like he's gonna be important in the first half of the movie and then just vanishes. And then just isn't. Yeah. And then he's just like <laughs> around. Like she kind of has this connecting conversation with him about like how mm -hmm. she doesn't know her dad. Like she never knows, knew who her dad was. And it's good character establishment for Lily, but it feels like you're establishing him too. And then, and he like, he yeah. wishes her good luck at the first day of school. And then. Yeah. It, it seemed uh, like they were going to have like a friendship or a connection of some kind. And then it's just like, nope. Yeah. Gone. <laughs> okay yeah like it's why 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 are you here it's yeah like this movie you could have like literally like dropped off the youngest son altogether and given right? his lines to the middle son yeah yeah and i don't know if the old the oldest son is kind of necessary for timmy's story to mm -hmm. have been a different brother than the one he's best friends with because he still yes. needs to maintain that connection uh-huh but I don't know if that's necessary either. You can just not make the guy he hooked up with feel ashamed about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, there's that. You could just have a stepbrother. Yeah. Like, I mean, and we're saying stepbrothers. They're not married in the film. They're not. We know. But it's easier it's to describe sort of stepbrother. Sort of stepbrother. Um, yeah. Like, I, I think you could have, like, dropped it down to one or two. Like, and that would, like... Because what happens is, is that like what happens is, is that you you give this emotional connection character development to the youngest brother who then has no impact on the plot and the brothers mm -hmm. who do have impact on the plot don't have any development. Yeah, I think that a lack of character development was kind of a sin like across the board on some of the supporting characters like we're, we're talking about like the the guy's sons and we're talking about Timmy and I know more about them than I know about any of the sister witches. Oh yeah, we need to get into that. We definitely need to get into that. So we've got our four yeah. witches are and I had to look up their names because they're barely yes. said in the movie. 
They are barely they, said they in the movie. They drop them like once and that's it. So it's like I knew I knew Lily's name because she said like a thousand times the main character who's our uh, new Sarah slash Nancy's daughter. Spoiler. Um, she's played by Kaylee Spaney. I'm probably mispronouncing that name, but whatever. And then we've got um, Frankie uh, Gideon Adlon's character, who is, I think, probably... So the main three, we never... There is never a scene with just one of those three in the whole yes. movie. It's Correct. Those three are all together or not there at all. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's the best way to describe them as a single character. Yeah, kind of. Like, yeah, it's... The, the Coven as the, a character. The Coven is a character. Ed, mm -hmm. Ed, like it's because because i mean like there's differences between them you know so you've got gideon adlon and they make it like three lines about her being a twilight stan <laughs> but then it's like it's not like a through that but it was it was fine it was a nice note um i i thought the she's i thought the comment that lily was giving off edward cullen vibes was funny um yes because i was like yeah no she she does dress like she's from a hundred years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the coat was egregious. It's it's very realistic. Like I have seen this. Like there's this like weird. My wife made a comment. Like we were watching some shit. Like some show. Like two years ago. Like I can't tell if this is a period piece or not. Like it's not a period piece. The kids are mm -hmm. doing this. This is just what they're wearing. This is yeah. We're just old and it's fine. Um, Yes, and remember, we all dressed kind of weird when we were teenagers because we were discovering ourselves. So I, mean, I put some of it down to that, but still. <laughs> I mean, I grew. I was a. I was a teenager in the '90s. I wore baggy jeans, flannels, and t-shirts, sometimes with Wolverine on them. Um, yeah, that, that actually <laughs> sounds pretty similar to what I was wearing. Yeah, it's uh, uh, band t-shirts and comic book t-shirts because I was a nerd, and then large, oversized flannels. Mm -hmm. And then jeans that did not do any favors for my ass. Um, <laughs> and Converse All-Stars. About right. Uh, uh, actually, I'm wearing a flannel today in honor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I still own some flannels. I have some nice flannels, but I usually stick with the cardigans these days. But uh, I have flannels. Yes. So. Um, so, the, so the coven. Yeah, the coven. So we've got, we got, we've got Frankie, who is probably the most developed out of those three. Um, mm -hmm. We have Tabby, who's played by Lovey Simone, um, who is black. Mm -hmm. uh, she's the new Rochelle in the fact, in the sense that they really didn't give her a ton of personality. She did like have a few. She had some good lines. Um, she's she got about, the weirdos line. She and she, yeah, she nails that. Like it's Ooh. in the yes. trailer, you get this weird kind of awkward like version where um, Lily says the line, and it's like. Uh, uh, nancy's daughter um that's what i said when i saw yeah. the trailer uh <laughs> yeah i think we called that when we saw the trailer yeah the trailer like so the trailer what's in the trailer that's not in the movie uh uh the the, the i saw the polaroid of of nancy and i was like that's not in the movie I the levitating like, boots that that wasn't in there it's the levitating boots in the trailer yeah they're the the thing where it's like she's rising off the floor and just her toes are connecting and that's the callback to the the scene where where Nancy floats. Oh, in the first yeah. That oh, I didn't even notice. I didn't, you know, I just rewatched the trailer before we recorded this, but I didn't like. I didn't notice that shot. There's uh, like the way they set up certain scenes in the trailer is very different from the film. Like mm -hmm. the bath scene is very different. Yeah, the bath scene is like completely different. That that is they recorded some ADR dialogue and then I like they or there's deleted scenes and they they shot those 
differently because yeah. the way that like that bath scene like there's because there's a shot of um of tabby saying a line that i think you see her mouth moving so but so besides mm-hmm. tabby um there is uh lordis who uh, mm-hmm. uh played by zoe luna who throughout the movie i described as the tall one um <laughs> who uh the script very awkwardly has to keep reminding you is transgender um yeah. and it's it's just because i mean at, like to be fa- to be fair uh the actress i passes very well and so i don't i honestly don't think the audience would have been aware that it that she was played by a transgender actress if they weren't told Probably, I, some, but I mean, props for props for a so, trans character so, played by a trans actor. Well, first I'll off, props for a trans a trans player, a character played by a trans actor. And frankly, until they revealed that that character was trans, I was really, really getting worried about Fran- some of Frankie's lines getting turfy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the ta- I think Tabby had a line also about like reproduction. Like they're talking about like baby making, and I'm just like, and she's just like, and. Yeah, like, and it's like, the, oh, we we make life inside us. We're basically already, you know, we already have superpowers, and yeah. And then Lourdes comes in with with the line about, yeah, well, us trans girls, we have magic all our own. And I'm like, saved it. <laughs> yes, good. Like it's, I mean, the the problem. So I feel like the problem is more pronounced in this movie about like which is being a female term more than it was in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because in the first movie, you're just following four witches and then you see a shop owner. Like it's yes. like high school in high school, people tend to so- do socialize. Like I was in a very integrated social group, but like they're, they're definitely like, you know, cliques and groups of people who tend to socialize more by gender and that is normal and so like four high school friends get into witchcraft like that's normal i don't know like i it it it, my big problem with this movie is so that my i have two problems with this movie one is just that they don't independently develop the coven like Mm -hmm. This isn't a movie about four friends getting to witchcraft. This is a movie about Lily. Yes. Like, yes, mm-hmm. that was, that was one of my biggest beefs. It was, you know, you know, where's the, where is the coven ship from the first one? Where is the sisterhood? Where, where's the witchcraft? Right. Cause we have, like, we have like that one montage. Yeah. And I feel we like have one ritual. They don't tell us what it's for. And it, it seems kind of slapped together. I feel like so I feel like there was a degree of them not wanting to overlap the first movie too much. Like I feel I like they, they wanted to be like and that's but that's why this works better as a sequel than it does as a remake, because mm-hmm. like you're not spending the time to establish like I mean, first off, magic is way more power like is even more powerful in this movie than it was in the first movie. Like, yeah. I'm just like, wow. It's literal like, superpowers. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm like, uh, well, <sighs> but we, and, uh, but that's, that's a different issue. So like, but like the, the first one, we, you get to spend time with Bonnie and Rochelle and Nancy individually and mm-hmm. they develop these characters. Like you, you see, like you see a lot more Nancy because of Nancy being the you know antagonist of the film as it's revealed mm-hmm. in the second half of the movie. Um, 
and then the but but even like Bonnie and Rochelle who don't get as much like still get scenes and development on their like their like journey through their arcs. Rochelle's doesn't make as much sense because she seems to feel bad about what she's doing. Right. But then still go like that is still apparently like high on Nancy's Kool-Aid. Like I'm like <laughs> I'm like, Bonnie, it makes sense. Like Bonnie's getting everything she wants. Like Bonnie is not getting the downside. Rochelle is like, oh, oh. Having maybe, misgivings, yeah. Ha, maybe this was wrong. Mm-hmm. Woo! The lights turning green. Um yeah. like <laughs> But we we don't even get that in this one. They no. the the coven seems to fall into the trap that you mentioned for, you know, Rochelle's character in the first one, that her whole character basically is is black. Yeah. The, it seems like the coven is very much like that. You know, it's is hey, black, is to be trans, fair, is to a be, twilight. I, I I disagree. I think the defining thing about Lourdes is that she's tall. Fair. <laughs> like fair. like okay. watching you're the right. film. You're right. I take that back. She's tall. She's tall. That's she's uh, fabulous, by the way. Right. No, I really uh, liked her. And again, like as I said before, all of these actors are acting the shit out of this out of these lines. Like they are doing like yeah. an amazing job. Like, so I have no criticism of any of these performances. So that's... Oh, yeah, just the writing. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's so... that That's my first criticism. My second criticism, my second... And this is my... So that's my, my main criticism with the with the Coven is more so as a... Uh, as making this a... Only really works as a sequel. And then it, it doesn't work as well as a... This is a... The Craft movie. But if you think of it as Lily's movie, it's kind of fine. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. But if it's a sequel about Lily, then it's kind of fine. Like, I would rather see a movie where they get development. Like, I would rather know these characters better. Like, I want to see what the hell Frankie does on her own. Like, <laughs> I I really want to see Frankie on some, like, I don't even know what the kids, what, what a Twilight stan who is under the age of 18 would do in 2020 on the internet TikTok. <laughs> TikTok, TikTok, i guess like but anyways like oh my god she 100 percent has a TikTok channel or whatever oh, yeah. account whatever, whatever you call a TikTok like a thing that people have <laughs> I, <laughs> I am with it i know what the kids are into um we're old <laughs> so old uh we are old god <sighs> no it's i feel like my like my mother calling thundercats tiger cats when i was eight no when oh, i was geez. like yeah it's Anyways, uh, but my bigger, and this is my biggest complaint about the movie, and this is the one that drives me nuts, is that the the antagonist, David Duchovny's Adam, is not established enough as a magic user prior to yeah. him disguising himself as her mother. So mm-hmm. you get, like, like, 14 minutes in, we have a scene where, uh, and I, I logged the time just because where, um, where Lily finds the the looks at the bookshelf and finds the book like the Adam's character's book the, the character yeah. Adam's book and then she finds the news clipping where he's like oh he's like this MRA like guru like mm-hmm. like this is like bad misogyny and then but and you get like and so I was getting abuser vibes from him I was getting that too. At, at the very least, like this, this is a guy who is emotionally abusing his kids. Um, right. And anybody who's writing about, you know, uh, what was it? The, the sacred masculine 
was was the name of the book. I'm like, anyone who writes a book with that title is like, oh, I'm I'm going to side out of the crap out of that. But it was nice that it was like, oh, we've established the antagonist of this movie is toxic masculinity. I'm here for it. Right. But there's no build. Okay. by the way, is it just me? Um, or like that bookcase, when you saw that bookcase, were you assuming it was a hidden door? Yes. Right. Okay. So because the way it's structured, there's the inset part and there's a gap on the floor at the bottom. Right. And she drops the book and the book falls out of her hands. And so the shot, like, and the way it highlights the bookcase, you're like, this is a secret door. And like, And and I like it has to just be like poor direction that they accidentally highlighted this thing. Maybe I was waiting for that to open up at some later point that like she'd find it in the middle of the night and it would be like this whole nook with all sorts of like altar stuff. Yeah. But no, it nothing, nothing. Also, also, this man clearly had a cult. Why did we not see the cult? We kind of, I think they think they showed it to us. They didn't. They lied. So no, it's like I think it's the like the scene where he's got like the 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 talking stick. Yeah. And like I think that's supposed to imply it's a cult. But like so many like real world shitty gurus do that stuff. It could have just as easily have been like a talk therapy group or like uh, a right. support meeting because you know someone had just died in that particular scene so right it's not established like I feel like if I was doing a rewrite of the script if I was if I was and because you it's the movie is short like I mean it's not like it's mm-hmm. not too short in the sense that like it's a movie length but it's not a long movie you could add 15 minutes to this movie and it would still feel fine if it was 15 minutes establishing the antagonist like what if the girls are doing shit in the woods what if one night in the woods they found the cult like they and you can put him in a mask like you can put David Duchovny in like, uh, hey, we can go classic shitty movie, like put him in like a cow skull mask or something or a deer skull. Oh, or, hell yeah. Like, Absolutely. you know, some sort of like long animal skull um, like and just like not show their faces and like show them doing magic and just establish that there's like this dark magic user out there that like is at the periphery and then like make that a danger in the world that they're worried about like right and they have that little those little flashes that lily has over the course of the movie of like you know oh there's obviously this lurking danger that includes snakes and ritual daggers and fire and i'm like all right i'm keyed up for the cult sequence i'm ready for some sort of you know right big scary sacrifice scene and nothing nothing and also, like, so, like, that's that's a whole thing. Also, like, it's... Timmy wasn't a member of this group. It's really clear that Timmy wasn't a member of this group. He was just best friends with a member yeah. of this group. Um, I think they were trying to pull him in and just didn't make it. But it's like, um... So does David... Does Adam just, like, kill anyone who he perceives as weak? Because, like, he kills Timmy for, like because you remade him in your image i'm like well i mean they their spell was to enlighten his higher self so all they did was call out yeah. stuff that was already in him like mm-hmm. that's actually like a like that was actually a really smart way to get around the way threefold seems to work in this universe that like don't change him 
in like just bring out the better part of him that already exists. Exactly. And so, like, and I think I think there may have been something where like Timmy was either like an initiate to the group or he was a prospect for the group. And then, you know, Adam saw him, like, kind of swing his attitudes in the other direction for the spell and was like, oh, you're no longer worthy, but you know our secrets, so you have to die. Except none of that's in there. None of that's in the movie. Exactly. We're left to assume entirely too much. I think all the snake imagery is because they had snake imagery in the first The Craft, and so they had to have snake imagery in the second The Craft. Oh, yeah, right up to having, like, the same damn kind of snake yeah. go across the lawn in front of Lily when she comes up to this man's house. Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah. That was... Yeah. yeah. Except that Little was a Sarah thing, not a Nancy thing. Why would Lily have it? Well, because she's in the Sarah role this time around. <laughs> right? She's, like... she's making a move. She's having... She's in a transitional period. Like, Ugh. she's not... She has, she has no connection to Sarah. <laughs> well, um, I think in this in this instance, like in in the first one, the snake was kind of a warning, but not really, yeah. because we see it at the beginning, and it's like this sort of vague threat from the homeless guy, and then we see it on Nancy later, and then Nancy becomes the threat. So I think but it's because, it was like a like, weird callback to like snake equals wisdom, but also threat. Like in the first movie, it's clear that. Um, it's because Sarah's like Sarah sees the snake because she's about to encounter the snake and she's afraid of snakes. Right. So like it represents Sarah's fear. Right. In the first movie, like, and so like this is something to be afraid of, like, and that's why the imagery goes, you know, like, and so, and that's why right. like Nancy uses snakes against Sarah because it's the thing Sarah's afraid. I mean, yes, Sarah makes Nancy see her fingers as snakes, but like that's because <laughs> again. Sarah's it afraid of snakes. And also, an also, yeah, like, what are you going to make her fingers turn into? Like, carrots? No, snakes. Centipedes. Are yeah, centipedes. centipedes. Great. Yeah, yeah, but that would have been really way more expensive with 1996 CGI. Um, oh, yeah, that's way more exactly. segments and things. You know, <laughs> Legs and you wiggly just, and blah. You can just, you know, snake is way less polygons. Um, <laughs> but so, so they did bring the snake back in this one, like you said, as, as like the symbol of danger there's so and much of you know fear this movie is full of such random stuff out of nowhere like so first off so so the book scene like right where we see like the the book the book seems pulled out of her hand for some reason um and that's not explained but which is why i thought it was going to be like a like clue towards a door also being there but then we get to the, the movie's first fake-out that goes nowhere. And that is her hearing what sounds like a woman in distress. Right? And that's our first masturbation scene. Ah, uh, yep. Where it's really one of the brothers hasn't learned that you use headphones when you live in a house with other people and you're a teenager masturbating to porn. You use headphones. Headphones. Especially if you're partial to something that's loud. But also, um, that scene falls apart for me for mm -hmm. a multitude of reasons. Well, first off, it means nothing. Like, it's just meant to, like, make you feel uneasy for a minute. And, but it does not serve the plot at all. It does not serve the plot at all. I honestly thought she was going to walk in on her mom 
and uh, and the boyfriend. I honestly thought that was what it was going to be and that it was just going to be something awkward. And I'm like, I don't want to see this man's butt. And then it was just that. And I'm like, I mean, oh, somehow that's worse. You haven't seen David Duchovny's butt before? I thought everybody. No, was. I have, but it was okay, like yeah, 30 good. years ago. Oh, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it was It was better at the time. Um, exactly. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to shame David Duchovny. He looks very good for his age. I'm, I'm sure his butt still looks fabulous. <laughs> okay. Um, but I, that doesn't mean that I particularly wanted to see it in that context. <laughs> right. Um, but here's the thing that actually bothered me more. And this is just a look. I am going to admit I have viewed many things on the internet in my lifetime. The sounds of that video that that guy was watching were not normal pornography sounds. It is clearly the sound of someone in distress. It is not the way that that sounds in pornography. Like, it is... There's a certain tone. In fact, actually, it's mocked later in a scene by uh, that where Timmy calls out a guy who starts to do like the fake orgasm yeses in the uh wall in the the sex ed class um, oh, yeah it's it, the the way that actresses tend to perform in porn does not sound like that so either it's a poor audio choice or <laughs> that guy was watching some really effed up stuff i think it may have been the second especially considering like well yeah the environment he's been raised in and what I his dad clearly been teaching but, him. But, 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 but I don't trust the, the filmmakers thinking that deeply. Yeah, I don't either. Especially right. how you are. So my wife picks up on the bookcase independently. I picked up on the bookcase independently. And you, we, all three of us, like, so you and the, you know, myself and the two people I've talked to about this film all thought, oh, there's totally a hidden doorway behind that bookcase. Yeah. We all thought it. Mm -hmm. We all looked at that set design and said, oh, and the way it's shot and the way that they time that, like, it all looks like it. And no, no, it's not there. And it was probably never meant to be there. But they did not think about the way that they composed those shots or what they were implying. And we're too, mm -hmm. like, so... I don't know. Like, so I feel like, I feel like if you add like 10 more minutes of like, like, I think like her actually like either finding a hidden altar room, that would also do it. Or even just like some, some ritual tools or regalia or something, something squirreled away somewhere in this house besides like the family crest on the wall, which was not a family crest, by the way. Um, I, just something. I don't know that symbol, so I can't say what it is. Well, just family crests yeah. don't look like that. <laughs> well, I don't know what family... But also, it's really unclear if that scene happened. Yeah. She wakes up... Unreliable narrator stuff. We don't know we if it was a dream or not. We cut from that scene with her waking up screaming, so... Yeah. That might not have... We don't even know if that's... In, I don't know. Do we spot those in the house elsewhere? Like in other scenes? Uh, no. I think they were just on the wall in the... Uh, I guess it's his study. Yeah. So, like, it's, we don't know if that happened. True, true. So, it's... it's... We, we do see that, that area, like, at another time in the movie. And I think that there was something on the wall there, but, like, we weren't 
it wasn't focused on it, so we couldn't really tell. Another like, thing, yeah. Another thing that like, and this is something that my wife pointed out. Um, why are the jeans so important later? Like, it's who washed the jeans? <laughs> like, that was kind of odd. It was like, okay, are we attempting to establish? Adam as like a, a caring individual or oh maybe they were stealing her blood for something that's where my brain went well, it's like oh they're they're gonna again, take that blood they're gonna use it for something and nope it's never yeah no it's like it's it, like it feels important yeah like it's I was like oh did she really get her period or was she set up by the girls and then the glamour wore off like like I immediately like I was like, is it like is it the Adam suspicious or the girl suspicious? Because we don't know enough about the characters at this point. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going like, uh, like because you know, again, like the first craft, the antagonist is in the coven, right? So like I'm looking all directions at this point in the movie, and like it, like I feel like this is going to point us somewhere. This is going to be important, and no, it's not important. They don't care. Yeah, oh. I was by the time the whole you know oh, thanks for washing my jeans thing rolled around. I was already like growing suspicious of Adam. So it was like, okay, if he washed her jeans, there has to be something to do with the blood. There has to be something coming with that later. And it's it's another thread where I feel like there was a cult storyline that they were going to do. And they either never fleshed it out or they scrapped it on a rewrite or something there's just so much left in this movie that feels like relics from another story that was trying to be told and then wasn't also timmy doesn't know how to use a ouija board yeah ghost timmy points at it with the pointy end of the planchet instead of the oculus the the window that's timmy that's not how you use a ouija that's not how you use a ouija board i know you're a ghost but I was so confused in that scene. I'm like, wait, what the heck is it spelling? What's it, what's it going over? Oh, he's using the pointy end. Someone doesn't know their lore. Timmy, you own this. You supposedly <laughs> talked to your mom. She told uh, you to clean your room, which was a great scene. That that actually was really funny. Um, that was that was really cute. Uh, like, and also like the 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 response of that must have taken forever to spell. Yes. <laughs> he was like, yes, it did. That we were was all funny. That. that was a good line. Um, like it's, oh, that so- was. I liked some of the development they did with with Timmy and Lily. I thought that a good deal of that was very heartfelt and felt, you know, real. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. This this is a conversation I could reasonably see two teenage people having. Yeah, it's just, it still felt like it was Lily's movie and not the Coven's movie. It's Woke Timmy oh, yeah, takes course. up a huge chunk of the film. Mm-hmm. It's like, he's really significant. Like, I. Like, he does the cafeteria walk with them, and it's like, okay, so they're going to have a Coven of five? Actually, I would have loved that. I would have liked that too. I would have loved like, Timmy in the Coven. This. Yes. I would have. Let's, let's make it all inclusive. I would have been like, yes. Yes, that's an accurate depiction of yes. the, the groups of like, and and yes, it is f- four women to one guy. Uh, yep. <laughs> and there's at least one queer person there. Two queer people. Like yes, no, two queer people. <laughs> one guy for every four girls, but it's like this is yes, this is this is <laughs> this is reflective of my experiences. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, uh, the they just and like. God, it would have been so much better if it was the ghost of Timmy in her room. It would have been. It just. It would have been like a real nice, like bit of foreshadowing. First of all, it would have added that horror element that I think Blumhouse was looking for in that particular scene. Yeah. And it would have really set up the next day's shock a lot better. Well, I it's mean, like imagine that... that came out of freaking nowhere. Yeah. Imagine that scene and you see the guy by the door and then she sees the figure and she turns the light on and the figure's gone. Yes. Like there. That's the scene. And then you yes. find out Timmy's dead the next day. Like And then it's like, "Oh no, that was him and he was trying to warn her. It would have been perfect." Right? Ah. I I would have flipped my lid over that. I would have absolutely loved it. But no, it's just Isaiah sleepwalking for some reason, which also never gets talked about. It was never established and never talked about again. Yeah. I I have in all caps in my notes, what is the point of the sleepwalking creepy scene? Yes. (laughs) Uh. So so lots of little things like uh, they do. Why do they just do shit out in the open? Um. Mm -hmm. And effectively, Lily has the Zach Morris time freeze, if you really think about it. Like, it's the Zach Morris time freeze. Yeah. Like, when she's, like, when yeah. they're escaping Timmy's house and they're casting a scene, like, she freezes him in, like, the door. It's like, ah, this is the point where Zach Morris talks to the camera. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't and get... They're, don't, they're literally standing, like, in the middle of the cafeteria chanting. I'm like, okay, no one does that. Well, and think about from the point of view of the people in the cafeteria that... First off, that would draw attention. Secondly, that means that because they probably didn't sit down in exactly the positions they were when they were chanting, that from the experience of people in the cafeteria, you saw four girls chanting at the cafeteria who then disappeared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's what happened. Yeah. Right there. Also, there was way too much activity in that cafeteria for them to, like, play off of. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. That should just be a bunch of people sitting. No. Yeah. Yeah. But they got to make it dy- dynamic, I understand. Yeah, still. it's well, I mean, to be fair, at my high school, there was a lunch, like, the way lunches were structured, there were, like, three lunch shifts, so, like, you could be mm-hmm. arguably, I don't know. Um, yeah, mine, mine was the same way, but still. Yeah. And, uh, and speaking of speaking of that scene real quick, um, is it just me, or did the entirety of, like, that whole witchcraft montage thing, up to and including the getting made up scene, uh kind of feel like an independent film created by witch talk influencers i don't know it was was very super powery and very sparkly and didn't seem to have a lot of purpose so yeah it's like i mean most of it was just glamours that were established so my whole thing is that like they've really increased the power of witchcraft in this movie the glamour stuff was established in the first film like the ability to make yourself like they call it shape-shifting Mm-hmm. Like where when cause Nancy shapeshifts into Sarah, sort of, but I always just assume that was a glamour. Yeah. Like and so like uh, shapeshift into one of each other. I'm like, what shapeshift? Like, why is that? I'm like, like, I I yeah, feel they, like they you're... mentioned it in a, initially, and I was like, okay, so they're gonna learn to like turn into animals. I figured like, oh, well, they're yeah. gonna learn to like turn into cats or it's, deer. It's really clear. Whatever. It's really clear if you get to the end of the movie. It's just setting up David Duchovny disguising himself as her mother. Yes. As Lily's mom. So it's, but I'm just like, that's just glamours. But so like most of the stuff in that scene, like, you know, be it the makeup stuff they're doing or the, but first off, like, okay, 
Human Torch, like oh my Tabby, god, like it's just like got a lighter at the end of her finger now. I'm like that would be super convenient, but like I don't know. I feel like the the first craft movie, like they give them superpowers effectively through magic, but I feel like there's a lot more like attempts to ground it. That is still a lot more subtle. But it's also like it's like it's not visually flashy. Like, yeah, you can fly yeah. in that first movie, but like you're not surrounded by a glowing aura when you do stuff. Yeah. Like, um the the auras was I thought like a we just want to make it cinematic. But that yeah. I can like but so like the flamethrower, but like also but like the time stopping is like, wow, we're just going full superpowers here. Magic is super powerful and apparently like anyone can get it because Nancy wasn't born with it. Um, like, so they do establish in this film, I think a, some good world building mm -hmm. in the sense that their first question to Lily is how long have you been practicing? Because it's the implied that you can gain these magical powers just by practicing witchcraft. If you've, if you weren't born with them, but they are playing off the natural witch stuff that they got from the first movie because Sarah inherited her powers, so she already had them at the beginning of the movie. Lily, mm -hmm. and we're establishing in this movie that people who weren't born with powers, once they gain powers, can pass those powers on in in, yes. in this in this in this universe. And so that's that's nice and consistent. That mm -hmm. like at least like it isn't like a you have a special genetic code thing. It's a anyone can achieve this level. It's just that people whose parent you know who who had a parent who already had this power can pass on those powers already so you don't have to unlock them yeah it's uh, like if you if you had a parent who already you know was awakened to this then you are more receptive or more prone or, to it or at least already awakened to it yes and so mm -hmm. that's that's like i was like oh actually that's better than the implications of the first movie yes so like it's not a bloodline thing it's a parent awakened thing like okay good all right so that, that was a nice cleanup but if mm -hmm. i were the u.s military in a world where three teenagers off the street in a random high school on multiple occasions have gotten, like, three to four, four teenagers in schools have gotten superpowers on multiple occasions where they can, like, do magic shit. I'm recruiting people, like, right, for this. Like, oh, we've got a soldier who can stop time. <laughs> like, Well, then we, then we get Fort Salem, so. Well, right, no, but, like, how is that not ever the inevitable conclusion? Like... If it's this easy. Yeah. If mm -hmm. it's well, this, Then why isn't everyone doing it? Then why isn't everyone doing it? Yeah. And, like, I mean, I like the callback to the first movie where it's literally the same book. I did like that. Because, that was nice. like, yeah, like, it's... I don't I don't think that's a real book. Um, but it's 100% in their universe published by Llewellyn, I bet. Um, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> like, Absolutely. And, and there's the... Like, I love when they open it up, and it's like, this is clearly still, like, a shitty 90s witchcraft book, because mm, where they can never... The font. Like, there's no good graphic design inside the book, and, like, it's, like, crappy margins, and, like, the layouts are, like... Yeah. Uh, I'm like, oh, this feels accurate to books in my collection. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think I've got a Teutonic Magic book that is not <laughs> all that different in its internal layout. Yeah. All right. Um... So, uh, yeah, uh, like it's, so I enjoyed that 
it's yeah like again like i feel like so much of this movie is like it needed 10 more minutes and then like five minutes of cuts yes i i honestly would have watched like another half hour of this movie if it would have established the coven members more independently of each yeah. other and if it had established more of the stuff with adam as a magic user as a cult leader just as a threat yeah you know no beyond like oh he's saying some things to his he, son that's making me uncomfortable no, he or feels, oh like adam feels like a threat in this movie but just like an a for different reasons threat, like a real world threat not yeah. a i'm gonna disguise myself like they like they they did good like some of the setup is good like the setup with the relationship with the mother about like how the 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 phrases that her mom says about like differences and then like Adam not mm -hmm. getting that right when he's disguised yeah where she says like, your your difference is your your power and he's like your difference is dangerous and yeah. that tips her off and is meant to tip off the audience as well I yeah. think and it's like it's 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 and it's you get to like and like that set up well. But like it's just it's we need we need more of the cult and we need more mm -hmm. of the coven, and so like this movie, like yeah again it it falls apart as a remake because we don't establish the magic enough. Like there's not enough of the actual witchcraft in this movie. It yes. assumes you know what it looks like. You're like the montage works for like establishing that oh no the bonding happens and the witchcraft happens but that witch that montage only works if you've seen the witchcraft in the first movie true and like to to do that work it only does that work if it's like a like like you know like because sometimes you get like a sequence of films where a character has a routine and in the first movie, you spend the whole time with the routine. And then you make a sequel, and then you show that routine in half the time. And then if you get to a third movie, you show that mo that whole sequence in less than a minute because you've established it in the two previous films. Am I directly thinking of the Hans of the Razor series of films that no one listening to this should watch? Yes. Am I <laughs> describing a scene that would make this an explicit podcast if I didn't already flag it as explicit, but I'm still not going to describe it even more. Yes. Don't ever watch those movies. Even if they are in the criterion collection, that's so messed up. If you want to watch that actor play a samurai, watch some Zatoichi. Don't watch Hans of the Razor. Uh, I love that movie, by the way. Is that... Zatoichi. Of uh, the remake or... Yeah, the remake. Okay, yeah, I'm talking about the, the actor who played the original Zatoichi like, oh. in the classics. He also played, did the series of three films in the 70s called, uh, well, they get referred to in the U.S. as Hans of the Razor. Um, I, I've heard of them. I will never see them. Never see them. <laughs> um, the sequence I'm talking about involves his penis. Um, <laughs> I used to host a midnight showing every year of the first movie in that series, which is why I know it very well. Um, it did involve me getting around problematic parts of the film by getting up in front of the screen and screaming at the audience, why are you watching this movie? Um, which would then get them not to think about how awful what they were watching was just like, and, yeah. and not, and there were also rules where we mock Hanzo. We don't root for Hanzo. So like, okay. So also I'm not a fan of the term warlock being used at the end of the movie. I mean, sure. It might apply to Adam, but 
he didn't necessarily break an oath to his own group. Right. He was just a dick. Yes. Um, if anything, he didn't like, okay, so here's the thing. I know it's supposed to be a pagan group because the Wikipedia page told me that didn't feel like a pagan group. His stuff felt more <laughs> like his stuff. Like some of it felt like some new agey guru stuff. Yeah. Maybe pseudo Masonic at most, but right, not no, really. No, yeah, It doesn't feel pagan. It feels, um, it feels like almost like, like, I feel like if you want to go for like, it, like I'm getting more of like a Thelemic vibe. And like the 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 more yeah. Crowley-esque occult stuff, mm-hmm. and those guys would rather be like sorcerers or like you know, war. I don't know. Like some of them might use warlock, but like, like well, they I'm did not... use the term at the end of the movie, right? No, but I'm saying like, I mean, Frankie says it at the end of the movie. I mm-hmm. don't think that David Duchovny's character ever describes what he is, um, no. which is fine. Which is good. That's fine. But I'm just like. I'm like, that's not the right word. <laughs> like, I don't know. I hate the term warlock so much that I'm just going to be like, <laughs> even when it's used in an appropriate context, I'm going to be like, call him something else. <laughs> I don't like it. I'm sorry. That's such a noise. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Continue. There's a very funny facial expression to go with it, but you'll just have to trust me on that. Um, I demand Instagram shots of that face. <laughs> I don't have an Instagram. I mean, I technically do to keep someone else from taking my username, but I don't. I, I like I've maybe posted a photo to it, if ever. I don't well, think you've I have a Twitter. I have a Twitter. That's true. I am. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Tumblr. Give um, us the angry warlock noise face. <laughs> uh, I don't even <laughs> yes. know what that. Oh, well, the problem is I don't want to take a photo of myself right now. I look like I look terrible. I dressed for a oh, podcast. Um. <laughs> We dress for radio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing clothes, but they don't look good on me. So, no, I'm not taking a photograph of myself. Um, All right. So I'm trying to think. I'm trying to look through my notes to see if there's anything else I haven't mentioned. Trailer out of context. Why are they just doing shit out in the open? Adam's an abuser. Why? Where's the magic come from? Oh, people want to fuck woke Timmy. Everyone wants to fuck woke Timmy. That was uh, really clear. Okay. No, it's just yeah, like that was, yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, it, oh, you mean in the context of the movie? I thought that oh. was like the social media response. Oh no 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 no! I I, I <laughs> has there been a social media response? I don't pay attention to young people, um, <clears throat> and it hasn't been on my Tumblr. Literally, Fair no enough. one's been talking about this movie on any of my social media circles. So. Which might be telling, but yes, like everyone, like well, we, we see, well, to be fair, we see to be it fair. established wanna, early on that one of the witches yeah. has a crush, but then as soon as he gets woke, it's like, woo. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It, well, so I will say that Kyle Stormwood and associates said he liked the movie. That, that, well, there's that. Uh, he said that on his Twitter. Lamophilia. Um, his Twitter is Lamophilia, uh, because, He's making fun of the way Vin Diesel says family or La Familia at some point in the Fast and the Furious <laughs> movies. God. So it's an obscure Fast and the Furious joke filtered through like three layers. I think it might like be like an imp- making a joke on someone's impression of Vin Diesel saying it. So 
Yeah, mom. But so yeah, but like this has been otherwise quiet on my on my Tumblr dash, and I follow a bunch of witches, so hmm. Maybe this will get them to actually watch the movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, yeah, the cult. Yeah, the cultures of dreams. Oh yeah. Uh, of course you're adopted. Look how short you are. Um, Lily's five feet tall. Literally, I looked it up. She is. She's teeny. She is tiny. Look how tall your mom is. If that's right? your mom, you're five feet tall. That's not biologically your mom. There's like six <laughs> inches between you, unless your mom banged like a really short dude, which is possible. Like, I mean, my father-in-law's five feet tall. Um, or I just figured she hadn't hit her growth spurt yet because I was also tiny when I was roughly that age. I mean, and I didn't hit my last growth spurt until like late high school. So, I mean, my first thought was, is that, oh, they fell in the trap where they cast the daughter too short compared to the parent. Um, which is a thing in television. It's just a thing that happens in television where um, no matter the age of the kids, they are always cast shorter than the parents, regardless of the gender, regardless of the age. And you can, you, like, you see this all the time. Um, like, it's especially egregious with uh, with guys because they'll cast them shorter because they look younger, but they're adult actors, but that mean, means they never grow. But I was taller than my dad in eighth grade. Like my dad's five ten, I'm six three. I hit six foot one in eighth grade. Um, so you like people, <laughs> I've always been I'm, tiny. So I I just look at tall people and just go, why? I'm just I'm just glad that my brother who is six two did not get that extra inch. So I I, I got turned into <laughs> my brother. My sister is like like five. Five six, five four. I honestly don't know. She's in that ballpark, and like my mom is like five six. She's shorter than my mom. She's got to be shorter than five six. Um, so like, but all the men on my mother's side of the family, like I am, I'm six three. I am not one of the tall people on my mother's side of the family. Like my mom's brother's six seven. Oh my! So like, but that's so like that's the thing. But like, my mom is a little bit shorter than her mom, but my aunt is taller than her mom. Mm-hmm. So it's like, cause my aunt's like five eleven. Um. Like, but so like, yes, it happens where kids are shorter than their parents, but it's not like frequent. Now. Fariza Balk, who plays uh, Nancy, is 5'4", so her having a 5-foot-tall daughter makes sense. It does. So that's it why does. I was like, my, my instinctively was like, oh, this is bad cat. Wait, she's going to be Nancy's daughter. How tall is Fariza Balk? Okay. This is, <laughs> how did you not know you were adopted? Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's just a, um, a thing that like popped into my head during the adoption scene. I was just like, oh, come on. Uh, I don't know. So I guess my my last uh, like uh, do, do you before we talk about the Nancy part? Do you have anything else you want to go through? I'm checking my notes. Do do do. Uh, no, not really. Um, most oh. of what I have is is related to like this having like plot holes and uh the the superpowers stuff and my uh, the, 
and the, and the witchcraft feeling very much like an add-in. Yeah. Like it was there for like flavor text in the beginning and then for a deus ex machina at the end, but that was it. I feel like I had one more, I have one more thing in my notes. And this yeah. is not, because it, it's separate because it's not my observation. And this is an observation that you will be able to talk more on than I will. Um, but my Ooh, wife, yeah. my wife and I were watching this, like I said, the first time we watched it. And while I am a genderqueer, non-binary person, I was assigned male at birth. I have never had to deal with certain things. I have not had certain experiences. My <laughs> wife looked at that scene with the uh, the period scene, effectively, and her response was like, how did she not feel that? Your pants would be wet. Yeah, and you you kind of... Okay, here's, here's the TMI portion, and if you're still listening and you don't like talk of menstruation, maybe mute this for the next 30 seconds. But also, congrats on making it through this far into a witchcraft podcast. We're... Yes! Oh, you're over an hour in. And... <laughs> so... When you get your period, even if it's like early on in your, you know, tenure of having them, there is a waterfall effect, you know, that would have to have happened for her to be bleeding that much that it soaks through her jeans and drips onto the floor. Generally, what happens is, yeah, you like when she stands up and there's the big blood stain on her butt. And I'm like, oh, poor baby. You know, we we have all been there all of us who have had a heavy period at one point or another we've had something like that happen where you bleed through your jeans but like the amount of blood that was happening there it's like oh honey you need to go and see your gynecologist because that's not a normal amount of blood that for you to expel without noticing it. right yeah i mean damp pants aside she would have felt like you you feel the blood leave you when it goes yeah so especially if it's that much that's that's uh, like that's why like my original thought like that's why my like my wife pointed that out during the scene yeah and then the jeans were clean with her mom mm -hmm. not having washed them and so my brain went to was that a glamour yeah because also was... there was like there was like a blood stain like across her thigh and i'm like okay that's uh, that's either because they reshot this scene and this is uh not the first take they've done or they fucked up on where that blood went because that would not happen. Well, I assumed it was from taking the pants off. Yeah. Like that was yeah. just, my, my assumption was just it was smeared from the pants. Just like how she's got blood on the back of her hand. Well, yeah, but like in the classroom, right. if you look at her oh. lap before she gets up, there's a blood stain there. And it's like, no, that wouldn't happen because it would all go straight down. Okay. Yeah. I I figured that was just bad. Like, I mean, that has to just be bad costuming. <laughs> like, yeah. And which again, the movie had like, a female director, be... so it's disappointing that she wasn't paying attention to the detail. Yeah. And again, like for her to be bleeding so much that it drips and doesn't just like leave a big stain on the seat is like, oh, that's that's worrisome, honey. You you need to like go to the nurse, not the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But that being said, I think that her reaction to it. Uh, was extremely, extremely accurate. I mean, I've, I've yeah. been there myself where I bled through something in class and it was just awful. And I, I did like, you know, the, the girls coming in and being like, oh, you know, here's a pair of shorts. Yeah, that was a good way to connect the characters. But the one complaint I do have there, they give her a pair of shorts. No one offers her a pad or a tampon. That's... Because yeah, that should have no, been yeah, the you're next right. thing out of their mouths. <laughs> is do you need a tampon? 
Yeah. So either a tampon or a that. pad should be offered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, no. Like before shorts. If you're handing me your shorts. Uh, <laughs> like, do you want to clean blood out of these two? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. So I think that brings us to the Nancy connection. Yes. Um, which I, I was really happy about that payoff because, you know, we kind of called it from the trailer and like they were alluding to it throughout the film and like the minute they established yes she's adopted I'm like yes called it there it is give me the Nancy give me Feruza and there she was yeah yeah no and it's but but I got some things so first off what happens the next five minutes in that scene when she gets there because she gave explicit instructions that she didn't want her daughter to ever know who she was yeah, that's going to so, be even more awkward like, than the beginning of the movie. That's going to be such an uncomfortable conversation. It's yeah. just going to be like, oh, oh boy. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Like, it's like, I mean, hopefully Nancy's in a more emotionally healthy place than she was when she was, than she was in a straight da- jacket, but it's been 24 years. Well, like, I mean,. That was something that I looked at in the movie and just kind of went, oh, Nancy, honey, no. Like, you know, it's 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 20 some years later. The last time we saw her, she was in an asylum in a straitjacket being sedated. And, you know, it's all these years later. Clearly, she has not had things easy. You know, at at some point, she's been in a, a, a crisis center. You know, now she's in some kind of facility, although it looks like it might be outpatient. Um, so, you know, yeah. clearly her life has not really gotten any better. And I was just like, oh, Nancy, so there honey. are there are a number of questions I have. So first mm-hmm. off, I feel like and this is just my instinct based on the way that certain scenes happened. I think mm-hmm. there's an earlier draft of this script where Adam is her father. Ooh, I think there's a version of this script where that's true. Um, I don't yeah. know if it's, you know, I don't know if that's the case, but it feel like it's, it's not in the movie. Like it's not directly in the movie, but I feel like there's certain things in that end confrontation where it's kind of implied when he talks about like which mother, like where he clearly knows. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's, and he talks about having taken another witch's powers at some point, And I thought that was going to be, you know, Nancy. Well, it, or, well, or it could have been like, we don't know what happened to the mother. Right. Of the three boys. Like, there's so many implications. Oh, yeah. Um, That's like, true. It's... Like, and boy, is he lucky he only had boys. Um, mm. But, like, again, this would work so much better with, like, one stepbrother. Uh, <laughs> yes. But, like, Ugh. so there's so there's that. But regardless of whether Adam was... Who is the father? Because let's look at the timeline. Nancy is in a mental institution in, like, roughly 1996, when the first movie came out. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and she's, what, maybe 16, 17 years old? Right. Um, our main character is, like, again, like, maybe 16, 17 years old. So, mm-hmm. she got pregnant, obviously, like, after she had already been in a mental institution. Mm-hmm. All right? So now, was she still there at the time or like, was she out? Right. No, that's the whole thing. Like, did she have recovery and was released and then go back in? Was she like, or are there implications? Yeah. Like, there are 
there's not a happy story that results in the existence of Lily. No, no, there is not. I, I kind of gathered like from everything they talk about with Nancy, whatever has happened to her since the first movie, very little, if any of it has been good. Yeah. Um, like it's. Yeah. Like I wanted them, I wanted them to drive up to like a little house somewhere, even if it was like a townhouse or a, an apartment or a freaking trailer. Just have have a trailer and have that be another callback. I was certain that we were gonna see Nancy at the end of the movie, but I wanted it to be in something resembling a good circumstance where it seemed like even if she's still bound, maybe she got her life together. Maybe she's at least living independently and kind of making her own way and taking her life back. But nope, she's more or less where we left her. And that's really sad to me. Yeah, no, that is really sad. It's her whole story. Nancy is a sad story. Yes. And I mean, in the first one, it's, it's kind of like, you know, a, you get like, well, you know, that's that's what happens when you you do bad stuff and you go too far. But by this time, you just you feel bad for her, and it's like, oh, well, whatever, whatever you did then, you don't deserve this. Right? No, it's so Nancy's story in the first The Craft is she is a person who has been clearly abused. She feels powerless, yeah. And she desperately wants control over her life, and yeah. she she goes too far to get that control. And she's an unstable person who suddenly has effectively godlike powers. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have a good, like, moral balance in that moment. Um, mm-hmm. Like, she tries to kill Sarah. Like, it's... Killing Chris is... I get it. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. not... Like, I don't want to... Ju- I'm not justifying the murder of another person in those circumstances, but, like... I can understand as like a person who suddenly has that much power and there's someone who has, you know, wronged you that hard, mm-hmm. like lashing out and killing them. Yeah. In in a manic fit. Like, no, like that, that tracks that <laughs> I, I can see myself being driven to that point. Like, I can see that myself being, like, at that point mentally, so I can see how some how she could. Um, mm-hmm. And then, like, going after Sarah is, like, she finally has power, and Sarah tries to take it away, and so yeah. she's like, I have to end her. Like, it, she's not in a stable place, but, like, you see how someone, like, how someone who gets to that point... But you can see a journey back for that person. Like, there's a... I actually, like, look at the end of the craft as, like, a tra- the end of the craft is a tragic ending. Because Nancy, who's gone through hell, is now in, like, this awful situation. And Sarah is cold and mean at the end of that movie. Like, she is mm-hmm. unforgiving. And she yeah. is our hero, but she is an un... Like, I actually, like, I'm like, oh, don't fuck with this person. Like, she just mm-hmm. drops a branch, like, near them to, like, yeah. freak them out. Like, she's mm-hmm. just, like, casually, like, I could kill you whenever I wanted. I just don't want yeah. to. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, no, you, you're, like, I feel like the only people I'd want to talk to still after the end of that movie are Bonnie and Rochelle. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <sighs> like, like, Bonnie and Rochelle, like, like if you actually look at the end scene of the first of the craft, like they are still being talked into it. Mm-hmm. 
like and and then but and and and, and then we're like figure fig, like freak out and then figure out they've gone way too far under this cult of personality of Nancy's. Like it's like they are they are not strong people necessarily, but they are not like inherently awful people. And Nancy is a person who is in bad circumstances who is doing bad things and in many ways does deserve some level of punishment for what she's doing. Like she at well, least to a point, yes, but attempted still. murder deserves jail. I'm sorry. It's yes. like that's like I'm not saying she got what she deserved. I'm saying she deserved something. Right, right. It's like she deserves some sort of like mortal, real world legal punishment, not, you know, yeah. a lifetime of everything going to shit. Well, it's she deserved. Well, I mean, here's the thing. It's I think it's really clear at the end of the craft that um, what Sarah did did not drive her to her mental state. It's all Sarah did was bind her. But because right. Nancy was in a mentally unstable spot, that she then had that break and then, like, was unwilling to let go of that power. I think it. I think the movie implies that it was the power that did it to her, but I don't think that. I think that there's a at least more forgiving reading, where yeah. you could like, and that's why, like, I here my dream version of what happened is that Nancy got better got released but was still in a financially tenuous position and got pregnant on accident but in a consensual way oh god is, i mean we hope we hope no that's my but was in such a bad place that it caused issues where she had to check into a clinic of some sort of of and like for her psychological issues and chose to give right. up her child right and Maybe she's just been back in and out of mental institutions because of financial reasons of not being able to properly medicate her psychological issues because the American medical system is a nightmare. That's my hope. Because that, yeah, that is that, the happiest... That, tracks, that, is that, the, that is the still sad but happiest version of events of what I can figure out with what we've seen on screen of her character. Mm-hmm. There is a worse version than that, where the system fails Nancy. Yeah, which and, I think is unfortunately much more likely. And the system failed Nancy, probably. Yeah. Um, and that sucks. But mm -hmm. she still might be emotionally in a better place, but she's still going to be super pissed off that Helen brought her damn daughter there after she specifically said, I don't want my daughter to ever meet me or yeah. know I exist. She's going to be perfectly nice to Lily, probably, but she's going to have fucking words with Helen. <laughs> yes. Uh, that that being said, I mean, this does set up like, you know, ooh, we could potentially have, you know, yet another movie. I don't know that well, that's it's particularly possible. a great idea. Well, right. It's like it would need a script. And we've got a coven. <laughs> we've got an established coven. Like, I mean, my fear is that they'd make Nancy the bad guy. <laughs> You know, uh, because it's, if you make a third, it's a trilogy. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would love for Sarah for I would love for them to bring Sarah back as a villain. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. That would be my bring, dream. Bring Sarah back as a villain. Bring uh, Bonnie and Rochelle back just as, you know, people who have grown up and, you know, still like studied just, this stuff. At least or... just bring Rochelle back because that actress needs oh work. Oh, my God. Um, she's yes. good. 
And I mean, like, what else is, I mean, what's Robin Tunney doing right now? The Mentalist has been done for five years. Um, <laughs> I did see Rachel True as a guest judge on Dragula not too long ago. Oh, She's still good. fabulous. Yeah. I mean, I Nev, swear to God, she hasn't aged a day. I mean, Nev Campbell's had a long enough career where she doesn't have to work anymore. Um, yeah. I mean, Robin Tunney also probably doesn't have to work anymore. I mean, she's got those yeah. mentalist bucks coming in. Um, she's, I, she's I would love wor- to oh, see. There was a, she I, was the lead I role in the show like in 2019. See, yeah. Robin I, I would at least like to see like a script pitch for a third one. Robin Tunney starred in a show that got canceled after one season last year called The Fix. Oh, yeah. On ABC. What is that? I don't know what that is. I don't care what that is. It involves lawyers, according to the thing. Um, <laughs> I stopped watching lawyer shows 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last lawyer show I watched was The Practice. You can't make oh, me. Boy. No, I watched Boston Legal. I take it back. Um, <laughs> that was funny. That was the most unrealistic lawyer show in the same universe as The Practice. Um, <laughs> and Alan McBeal. Anyway. Yes. Oh, my God. And Boston Common. Mm. There's the whole David E. Kelly verse. Although, there's a weird thing where in an episode of Allie McBeal, the practice is on a television show, but that show crosses over with the practice. Like, in a crossover that involved characters from one show on the other and vice versa. Like, what is going on? (laughs) Jeez. I don't know, man. Anyway. Like, stuff's weird. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so possible third craft movie. I want I want Robin bring back Robin Tunney as the villain. Yes. Who sees Agreed. Nancy out and just sees revenge without looking at her as a person. Yes. Or immediately goes you're out and about and therefore you're probably do something bad, so I have to do like a preemptive strike or whatever and either that or she has gotten Have Sarah or, running uh, Lyria's shop. Or Sarah's yeah, Sarah or Sarah's gotten shot. so far into like her state of things that she's like she's got the same god complex now. Yeah, or just like she is unable to see uh, Nancy as anyone other than who Nancy was in in the nineties, and like just yeah. like just on a revenge kick because she already was cold and full of like power. Twenty, like she felt like it felt like a villain origin story for her in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just saying, listen to me, Sony, make this movie. Make the craft end game. I gave you a title. Yeah. Uh, yes. Complete the trilogy. Ah. Uh, where I was where gonna say Nance... the craft homecoming. Oh well, that also works. Oh, homecoming, yeah. and they go back to L.A. Um, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have Sarah running Lyria's shop. Ooh. Also, Ooh. here's the thing. So again, rewatch the craft. You know, I don't know why I didn't notice it in the first two times I watched the movie, but the third time I watched the movie is when I finally noticed, why the fuck are all these candles lit in Lyria's store? Yes! Everywhere! The There's wax everywhere! There's open flame you and are... dry herbs and curtains and books. everywhere! She's selling books and er- dried herbs and it's full of fire! It can't possibly be up to code. That also, how much money is she spending? Like, I'm thinking of that Wint tweet... Uh, the mm-hmm. the drill tweet of like of I'm spending f- help my family I'm, like the budget were four thousand dollars on candles and I'm just like yeah. <laughs> like it's that that shop is a drill tweet the budget of yeah. that shop is a drill tweet 
just like take the fire safety and all the work of having to go around every day and light every candle and snuff every candle, but also don't leave candles burning all over the place without being in the room. So when is she going to pee? Cause she's alone in that store. Um, Uh They have candles like burning under the fricking railings, which also appear to be made of wood. It's like woman, really? Yeah. And also, how was she keep? I know we talked about this before, but how the hell was she keeping that shop in business? This was before the internet. Yeah, my local witch shop has stayed alive during the pandemic through online sales. Yeah. I haven't bought anything from them. I feel awful. Uh, well, maybe, maybe I guess it was the 90s, so she could have been doing mail order. That was a big thing. Yeah, like maybe but she's got her own still. version of the pyramid collection. Exactly. But she's wasting all or, the wholesale like, money on candles. Yeah, like Azure Green or something like that, you know? Like, I was I was looking at that witch shop, and I was like, something always feels off about this witch. Oh, my God, all these candles are lit. <laughs> I've been in plenty of witch shops. You know yeah. what they're not full of? Lit candles, candles next to the books. I mean, they're full of <laughs> candles, but they're for sale, and they're on the shelf. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. they're weird. Like, okay, I've been in ones that weirdly display them, like, all over the place, and it's the most annoying shopping experience ever. Like, but they're not lit. They're not lit because they don't want to burn their store down. Or also, their stock. Also, again, you're you're you don't you don't like if you when you burn a candle, it uses the candle, and then you have to replace mm-hmm. the candle, which means you are constantly replacing all of these candles. Mm-hmm. How are they feeding their family? No, you know it's... exactly. It's you're you're burning down your store or you're burning through your stock. There is no good ending for this, you know this 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 ambiance. <laughs> All right, so we've managed to talk about this movie for uh, well an an hour and a half in this session, and I don't remember how much I spliced in from the earlier ones. So we should probably, probably wrap up final thoughts. Minutes. This is <laughs> this is a this is gonna be a long episode. Uh, <laughs> You guys, you know, it's this time of year. This is a, uh, December. We're going back to short. Sorry. It's <laughs> I gave you two long episodes in a row. We're going back to my normal 20 to 30 minutes. Oh, unless somehow they make a se- practical magic two in the next week. Um, if they make practical magic two in the next week, Bree and I will have to go record two episodes. We have to talk about the first one. Which I'm yes. saving for some time in the future when I run <laughs> out of ideas. Uh, so final thoughts on the Craft Legacy. I liked it for what it was. It was clearly not made for someone my age, but there were just enough Easter eggs and callbacks to the first one where it was like, okay, yeah, I get it. The payoff at the end with Nancy being there was glorious, even though, you know, on reflection, it's like, oh, no, Nancy, honey bunny, I'm so sorry. And I want to see more of uh, of this young coven. And I am always and forever, as you well know, very, very here for witches against toxic masculinity. So That's that was true. great That's for me. True. And you know, yes, it committed a lot of sins. Yes, there were more holes in the plot than your average garden sieve, but I still really liked it. Yeah, it's uh, my thoughts are it fails as a remake. It works as a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a I enjoyed the movie. Um, I, th- I think it's a, I think it's a decent movie. It's not as good as the first one in storytelling. The first one is surprisingly holds up in its like storytelling and the tightness of the story. 
even mm-hmm. as much as I like ripped on it like a few months ago on the podcast. Uh, it like it's the re- there's a reason why the first one held up though as a classic still like and the re- the reason why the first one holds up. This mm-hmm. one I'm not sure how well it'll hold up in 20 years, um, but it was an, a fun film, a decent sequel, awful remake. Decent sequel, awful <laughs> remake. It's my bare minimum for sequels is Pacific Rim two. Which is a it yeah. didn't it didn't ruin the first one for me. Like mm-hmm. I can watch the first one without it feeling it's ruined. I hate many things about this movie, but I enjoyed parts of it. Like like I enjoyed it enough where it doesn't ruin my perception of the first movie. So mm-hmm. that's and so that's my bare minimum. And this far exceeded the Pacific Rim two. Uh, it it far it far like exceeded the Pacific Rim two standard of sequels. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's worth a, if you if you love the craft, if you love the first craft, and you've somehow listened to all of our spoilers and me ripping on it. Um, mm-hmm. If you love the first one, watch this movie. It is definitely worth it. It's worth the twenty bucks or whatever it is on streaming. It'll mm-hmm. it'll probably be cheaper to wait, which is what I expect most of my friends are doing. Uh, <laughs> I expect most people I know are waiting for it to drop down to being like a seven dollar rental, but. It's, it's, it's worth, like, it, it's worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And it'll, it'll give you a nice break between, uh, um, Christmas rom-coms this time of year. <laughs> of which, net like, the instant Halloween happened, Netflix recommended three at me in a day in emails. Oh, God. And it's because it knows I love Christmas rom-coms, but I do not watch them until after Halloween. Yes, damn it. I don't put up Christmas decorations until after Thanksgiving. See, that's because you have sense. Thanksgiving's <laughs> a holiday, man. Like, I don't get to... Okay, so this episode is coming out to the public after Thanksgiving. But we're obviously... Like, Patreon supporters get it before Thanksgiving. And I'm we're recording this long before that, obviously, because that's how linear time works. Um, but, like, I'm not... I don't get to go to Thanksgiving this year because of a pandemic. I'm still going to celebrate Thanksgiving. My wife and I were having like turkey and stuffing and mashed potatoes. We're just doing it on our own. Because it's a holiday and you do the holiday. Yes. Let the holidays have their time. I'm I'm a sucker. I like I like my I like my secular holidays and my religious holidays. And oh man, I should maybe one day do an episode on the wheel of the year. But let's run away from this episode because my God, this is long. <laughs> We've talked more about this movie than we ever did on Nerd and Time when we did movie specials back in the day, and that was a literal, like, pop culture podcast. All right, let's go to Future Me with the Outros. Thank you, Bree, for being here. Where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can always find me at Bree Nagarin on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find me at Bree Landwalker on Tumblr. And you can find me in Richmond, Virginia at the RVA Witches Unite Yule Market on December the 6th at Diversity Richmond from 1 p.m. to 6 p.m., where you can also get your picture taken with Krampus. So do come down. And you should check Bree's social media because we're recording this like a month ahead of time. And this time of year, you never, and this year, who knows when events get moved or canceled. So Definitely check the social media to make sure that that's still accurate. Yes. And listen to Hex Positive. Yes. You can always listen to Hex Positive here on the Nerd and Tie Network, the other witchcraft podcast on a geeky podcast network, because, well, we figured out what you guys actually want to listen to after like 
This is the fifth show. Uh, so, Healthy witches! Which you can find at nerdinside.com slash hex is the easy link to say out loud. Uh, and you can find all archives, and I'm on one of those episodes. So go listen to the Science Denial one, because it involves Which is very popular, by the way. Good. People love that episode. I'm very curmudgeonly in it. I was very salty that. All right, so now, 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 take take it away, future Trey. Thanks, past Trey. <laughs> and we thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of BS Free Witchcraft. As always, this show was brought to you by the generous contributions of my Patreon patrons, and you can find my Patreon at patreon.com/slash-t-r-a-e-g-o-r-n. And uh, the benefits of uh, becoming a patron include early access to episodes like this uh, where they get it about mm, several days usually a week early i've been a little late before but but you get this episode uh early and you get to listen to it ahead of time uh also um a special shout out to those at my witchy shout out tier like uh meg tenhalzen bruce norville Lindsay dosey Ma- mary stowell and stephanie graves Thank you guys so much. And, you know, I understand that, you know, it's the world is a garbage fire. So if you can't afford to, you know, contribute to the Patreon, I get it. I get it. Uh, but what you can do to help support the show is just share it with your friends. Just share the ever-living crap out of it. And you can also follow the show on social media. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N. You can find me on Tumblr at T-R-A-E-G-O-R-N.tumblr.com. And you can follow the show on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash bs3witchcraft. And remember, bs witchcraft is a part of the Nerd Tie Podcast Network. We are a large, varied family of shows going anywhere from, you know, actual play to true crime. And, you know, I just gotta tell you, like, Cool and Unusual Punishment earlier this month put out the 10th episode of their Luganbuild series. And... I understand if you're not really into Eau Claire, Wisconsin, local politics. It's a bit of a strange one. But let me tell you, this story is so weird that that it's it's definitely listening. It's definitely worth listening to these 10 episodes um, about a local politician who ran a charitable foundation who just disappeared one night without paying the bills. He's, we know where he is. It's, he's not missing. It's, but uh, the the money kind of is. So, it's it's an interesting web of lies, and you can find more at. Uh, well, they have a, a dedicated website for that series, luganbuild.com, um, but you can also find more at their website, uh, coolandunusualpunishment.com. Or you can find them on our website at nerdandtie.com slash coolandunusualpunishment. Um, just go to nerdandtie.com. There's a bunch of shows there. It's neat. It's fun. It's for everyone. Or something. I don't always know how to do these outros. Thank you, Magickens, for listening to yet another episode. Oh, and uh, we do have uh, some new Magickens masks now in the Redbubble merch store. And you can find that at bsrewitchcraft.com. And, uh, yeah. That uh, seems to be a, a good, good point to run away. <laughs>